Today on the show, head to a hotel in Midtown Manhattan. I get in the elevator, and uh, there was actually this really hot girl in the elevator with me. And I was like thinking, like, I, I hope she's going, you know, to the gangbang. That's right, to the gangbang, where people are very nice to each other. You know, this guy is like up near her head, and I like tapped him on the shoulder. I'm like, you know, can I, can I go now? And he's like, oh yeah, totally. Like, you know, so like everyone was like very polite. And we will learn the one thing that you never stop to ask yourself about a gangbang, which is, what do they smell like? There's like a mysterious bad smell. Somebody like B.O., but not exactly or something, you know, and everyone's like, oh, what's that funky smell? Like it smells like, you know, human bodies, but, in a, you know, kind of in a unique way, maybe. Stay with us. My heart is beating. This is Why a Why. I'm Andrea Salenzi. It's difficult to explain why I thought disappearing to China for five months with a girl I barely knew was a good idea. If I even thought it was. And I'm not convinced I did. My friend Rob Williams is about to read you a story he wrote for Nerve.com. It's about a time he went on a sex date and then moved to China to be with the girl. Actually, this entire hour is pretty filthy, so you should probably dim the lights, take off a layer, put your phone on vibrate. When we get back, I'll talk to Rob a bit more about this story, and I'll ask him my favorite question I've ever asked in any interview ever. It's unclear what I thought. Maybe it's that we were in love, that I had a feeling and we had to go with it. Maybe it had to do with a more selfish idea I had about adventure. Or maybe I just thought it was a strange and funny thing to do, at least before any sense of reality kicked in. And the more questions people asked, the less plausible the whole thing seemed. Well, how did you meet her, they'd say. Oh, you know, the internet, I'd reply. Then, depending on how well I knew the person, or how well I didn't know them, I might confess, it was a sex date. I would explain that she had just been passing through New York when I met her. She had been traveling around India and Southeast Asia for most of the previous year, and had only come back to the U.S. briefly while making plans to move to China. No, she's not Asian herself, I'd sometimes have to clarify. She's from Florida, an American and a creep like me. I don't think either of us even thought it was that weird to meet a stranger for sex, or to move halfway around the world with them. I'd been meeting women this way for about two years. Specifically, self-identified submissive women who wanted to be tied up, slapped around, choked, chained to a radiator, etc. It turns out there is no shortage of these women in New York. Her name on OkCupid was Monkeys123. Mine was Beard on Your Bush. We exchanged numbers quickly but it took a bit of persistence via text message to convince her to come meet me. She was staying with a friend up in Harlem and couldn't decide if she wanted to come all the way downtown just to have kinky sex with a stranger. Also, she wouldn't tell me her name. 
But I do feel like I want to be dominated tonight, she admitted in an electrifyingly matter-of-fact text. I met her at Astor Place. She had short, curly hair and glasses, and she smiled a lot. She was an extremely pretty girl, but also vaguely awkward, which I liked. We were both feeling manic and overexcited, talking too fast and divulging way too much information. I suggested we go to a bar, have a drink and relax, even though I was three years sober at the time. I would just have a ginger ale. There was something powerful and magnetic between us. I felt certain of it immediately, and I didn't want her to change her mind. At the bar, we had a fairly abstract conversation about how difficult we both found it to relate to other people. Or perhaps more accurately, how rare it was to feel like other people were actually relating to us. She talked about her restlessness, how she drifted from place to place without ever feeling like she belonged anywhere, how she did a similar thing with men, meeting them, sleeping with them out of perverse curiosity, then discarding them. This made perfect sense to me. I told her I thought we were the same. Half an hour later, as we ascended the stairs to my apartment, I got my first look at how fantastic her ass looked in her jeans. I'd gotten an impression of it from her OkCupid pictures, but the reality was something else entirely, and I felt insanely impatient to see what she looked like naked. Just don't murder me, okay? She said, laughing. I promised I wouldn't. a strange woman in my apartment, I go out of my way to make her feel as comfortable as possible, assuring her, for instance, that I won't handcuff her the first time, because it's too dangerous to let someone you've just met do that to you. But Monkey's 123 was reckless. For her, the risk seemed to be a major part of the appeal, so I held nothing back. Afterward, when she got up to leave, I told her I wanted her to stay. I can't remember if she told me her name that night, or if it was the next time she came over, two days later. I was standing behind her in the bathroom as she washed her face, and she made eye contact with me in the mirror and said, Christina. As we were drifting off to sleep, she turned to me and said, I told you I'm married, right? As if she had just remembered herself. Her husband was a bisexual Englishman, a boxer, who she had married when they were 18 so he could get his green card. Now he was living back in England, and had been relegated to the role of her, quote, best friend. Her other, quote, best friend was a sociopath with one nut who lived in Florida. She had loved him, she said. She had been the one who discovered the tumor on his testicle, and the one who had kept him company as he recovered from the surgery. But he couldn't reciprocate her feelings. She had dozens of stories like this, about people she'd known, places she'd gone, bizarre things she'd done. How she had crashed a motorbike in Indonesia and nearly died. How she had fucked some guy in the ass with a strap-on in Singapore. How she had let her boyfriend in high school fuck her with a gun to her head. I tried to keep up, revealing my own stories of sexual and existential wanderlust. I'd been to India, but no, I hadn't dropped acid in the desert like she had. 
I told her about the time I'd gone to a gangbang in a midtown Manhattan hotel room. She countered with a story about blowing two of her friends in a bathroom in a bar in Florida. All of these confessions just came tumbling out, partially as a way of one-upping each other, perhaps, but also because neither of us flinched at the other's sordid tales. That would only happen later, on the other side of the world, when we were utterly dependent on each other, once the situation had become too real. Those sudden fits of jealousy would catch me totally off guard. At that moment, however, confined together in the small world of my apartment, we were smitten. She postponed her flight back to Florida and stayed with me for a week. She was leaving for China at the end of the month. You should come visit me, she said one morning over breakfast. In the weeks that followed, especially after she arrived at her new home in Guangzhou, our plans kept escalating. One month turned to two, then three, then five. We were Skyping all the time, telling each other things like, I think I love you, then just admitting it outright. When I finally left New York, I imagined I might never come back, even as I tried to assure skeptical friends that I would. I still remember those months in China so clearly. The way Christina said, it almost feels wrong to have sex without a condom, that first night at the apartment in Taojin. Sitting on various balconies, smoking cigarettes every hour of the night and day. The long walks and endless bus rides across the sprawling city of Guangzhou. My first beer in three years, at an African restaurant in Xiaobei. And the way the waiter smiled at me and said, your wife is very beautiful, when Christina disappeared to the bathroom. But I also remember the constant anxiety we both felt about ourselves, each other, our relationship, and trying to make a life together in a foreign country. And the way we seemed to exacerbate each other's fears rather than soothe them. There was a terrible fight in Hong Kong when we said things to each other that I hope we were both too drunk to remember. Then a worse fight in Guangzhou when I said and did things that I do remember but would rather not repeat. There was the pain of trying to come to terms with the fact that our impulsive love affair wasn't working, and neither of us could make it work just because we wanted it to. As I helped Christina find a new apartment in the Liwan district, where she would live without me, then buy a kitten and pick out furniture, I felt crushed by the sheer futility of it all. That was two years ago. Now I'm back in New York, and Christina remains on the other side of the world. To hear her tell it, she's more stable than she's ever been. Some days it seems impossible that this is something I actually did, that I was so overwhelmed by my emotions that I moved halfway around the world. But there are moments I remember so intensely, it has to have been me. Like walking down 2nd Avenue a few days after we met, this strange and exciting girl on my arm. It was a cold winter morning. The sun was shining so brilliantly, and I was so giddy that I felt like I could barely walk or see or do anything. Christina was clutching my arm and looking down the avenue, which felt oddly empty. In fact, in my mind now, it feels like we were the only two people in the city. The vividness of that moment, the beauty we both felt, and how sad it makes me feel to recall it now, 
is because of everything that came before it, the tawdry circumstances under which we met, and everything that came after it, all of the absurd ups and downs in China. And I ask myself, if I had to do it all over again, would I? Of course I would. on Twitter at it must be Bobby. In the studio, Rob and I talk about this story and his background for a long time, and it was all very interesting. But then I asked one simple question about a very small detail from the story, and it threw off the trajectory of our entire conversation. I should be saving this segment for the end, but I frankly can't wait. Here is my question that prompted the whole tangent. So, uh, Midtown Gangbang? <laughs> it's so simple, but it says so much, right? You're going to hear how delighted I am with the story he tells because, as an interview, I feel like you can hear me just plowing him over with excitement. He keeps trying to steer us back on topic, to China, to kinky sex, to meeting strangers for sex online, and I just keep begging him to continue with the story. Don't stop. Whatever you do, do not stop. I have to know what happens next. Let's hear me ask that question again. So, um, uh, so Midtown Gangbang. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very specific kind of gangbang, the Midtown gangbang. <laughs> like, where, where in Midtown are we talking? Like, Times Square? Uh, no, it was at a hotel. The hotel's actually not there anymore. I walked by where it used to be recently, and I was trying to, you know, it was going to reminisce a little bit, and it just isn't there anymore. Oh, um, how strange. Wait, Craigslist? Yeah, no, not really. Um, okay Cupid, once again. Well, I was talking to a woman on Okay Cupid. And it came up in conversation somehow that her boyfriend, who's an older guy, you know, this guy was probably about like 50, um, that he hosts gangbangs. He's a bit, he's, that's his thing. Like, <laughs> and she was like, you know, if you're interested in that kind of thing, you should totally talk to him. So he's looking to meet new guys. He need he's got this whole bullpen, you know, of guys. And so I thought, yeah, I would definitely, I'm curious about that at a minimum. Um, are you on a video on some porn website because of this experience? Uh, I hope not. I don't know. If I am, I haven't seen it. Uh, it wasn't, I mean, it was casual. It wasn't filmed. Oh, okay. So there weren't cameras there. Well, people had their iPhones out. Yeah, there might be. <laughs> I don't know. You're probably on the internet. Yeah, it could be. It's a big, it's a big place, though. <laughs> of course, this just goes on in Midtown all the time. Well, that's the thing, though. I think that that's something that I was curious about. You know, that 
you know, you'll see a TV show or something sometime, you know, like it's always sunny in Philadelphia or something. And, you know, it'd be like Dennis is like, he's, he's out there, he's going to go to a gangbang. And then like they go and like everyone, it's always like depicted as just being like so gross. And then like, oh, you can't go through with it. No one would ever actually do this. I mean, look, don't you see? That, that would take care of everything. That's a scene in Chasing Amy at the very end where the Ben Affleck character tries to convince his best friend and girlfriend to have a threesome. Alyssa, with you, I won't feel too inadequate or conservative anymore because I'll have done something on a par with all of your experience. And it'll be with you, which will make it that much more powerful. And, and, and Becky, you can take that leap that everyone else but you sees you should take, and it'll be with me, your best friend for years. We've been everything to each other but intimates, and, and now we'll have been through that together too. And it won't be a total leap for you because a woman will be involved. And when it's over, all that hostility and aggression you feel toward Alyssa will be gone because you'll have shared something beautiful with the woman I love. It'll be cathartic. This will keep us together. And she's not hearing it. That time is over for me. I've been there and I've done it and I didn't find what I was looking for in any of it. I found that in you and us the people that were there were like way into it and they do it a lot and they all knew each other and other people. And it's like a whole community, really sub community. And definitely in New York, I think it's going on plenty. I just think that people don't talk about stuff. Yeah. I I mean, I like that and I don't like that because we recently had my friend on who was talking about the, the tantric sex shaman. Right. And the story came out very like, poly relationship negative because she's saying I don't know how people have the time for this I don't know how it ever works without drama and the thing is that there are success stories out there they're just not the ones that we're hearing I think that success stories happen in these areas it's just they're successful when things are working you don't hear about it although I get fan mail all the time yeah I'm sure (laughs) Um, but like mostly what you hear these days are complaints about things not working so like if people are in happy partnerships and it's going well, there's no story. So if you're just like, go to gangbangs every weekend, there's nothing to tell. If you go to one and you hate it, then maybe you have a story to tell. Yeah. Oh, you know, I could tell you a story about the gangbang. I mean, is, if, if you want me to, maybe not right at this moment, but... Is it weird how curious I am about the gangbang? Like, I've only ever seen it in stup- on stupid porn websites. Like, what is it like to walk into that room? And um, are there masks? Are there costumes? No. Were you afraid of not being able to perform? Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, okay, no, there are no costumes or masks. You guys didn't all have to like wear chef costumes or dress with Gumby? No. Um, no. T-shirts? No, I, Do people wear their T-shirts without pants? Some guys did. Some guys had some, you know, cock rings on or however you can say that on the radio. They had, the, you know, the... A ring a around ra- there. A ring around there. You know, certainly, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, I guess you could say it's a relatively low pressure environment. So can you take me to the, to the Midtown gangbang with you? Like, tell me about the process of walking into that room for the first time. What did you see and what did you observe? Okay. So I had met the guy who was the host before I met him previously. We went out and had coffee you know, similar to what I would do if I was meeting a girl really, you know, or something, you know, just meet somebody and try and be very normal with them. You know, we had coffee in the West Village and, you know, he told me, 
you know, what he does and he hosts these parties and do I want to come to one? I was like, okay, yeah, definitely. And so, you know, he gave me the information and... Is there a fee? There was, yeah. So I was getting to that. Yeah. So I think it was like $40 or something like that. I think maybe he charges 60 now or something for the guys. But... Um, Had you uh, ever paid for sex before? No. Um, no. But... Uh, was the, that a difficult decision to make? The money part of it? No, definitely not. I mean... I don't have a, a problem with paying for sex. I think I would, I would like to at some point, really. I just, you know, it just hasn't, <laughs> hasn't come up. Yeah, so that's the thing, right? I get in the elevator, and uh, there was actually, it was funny, there was actually, like, this really hot girl in the elevator with me, and I was thinking, like, I, I hope she's going, you know, to the gangbang, and I'm, like, looking at her, and, you know, I'm thinking, like, maybe she could be. She gets off on the same floor as me, and she's, like, walking ahead of me, and, you know, I know the room number and everything, but then she turns the other direction. So she's not going. And I'm like, oh, damn it. That's too bad. And so, like, did you, you think know, about inviting her? Yeah, I thought about saying that to her, like in the elevator, like, oh, I'm going to the, you know, the party upstairs or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I didn't. And uh, so, you know, the guy opens the door and it's kind of like he just opens it like a crack, you know, like he's like looking out because he doesn't really want people to see what's going on. And I give him the money and I go inside. And, uh, you know, it's kind of dark. Wait, that's crazy, though, that you don't know what what the girl or girls are going to look like going into that situation. You have no idea. No, I don't. I have no idea what to expect at all. I mean, other than the fact that, you know, I have met him the one time and he seemed like reputable enough that I would like trust him to throw a gangbang. Are you concerned that you're not going to be into the girls that are there? Or girl? I don't know what's going on. Yes, that, of course. And um, and actually that was the case for like most of the evening, you know, like, so I, I get in there and there were a couple, you know, obviously there's many more men there than women because it's a gangbang. And so like there was... Like how many? Oh, uh, I would say there were, there were a lot of people coming and going over the course of the night, you know, so... Um, maybe there were two or three women there you know at, at first and anywhere between 15 and 20 guys or something like that there you know people rotated in and out a bit you know when i get there you know the first thing i see is like there's a table and there's a guy sitting at it and one of the women is just there down on her knees she's blowing this guy and then there's other guys like sitting at the table like eating chips or something you know like <laughs> and i you know i have to like i'm saying hi to the guy that I know I'm like hey and he's like oh it's good that you're here and like you know there was kind of a bit of like small talk or something but then there's also people having sex you know on the bed you know it's a suite you know so there's like there's like a bed in the common space and then there's one bedroom and you know people were is there like a weird bro vibe like yeah what's the relationship like with other men in the room when you enter a situation like that well um like for the most part, the guys were already like, you know, they were naked and they were going, they were going for it. You know, like people were definitely having sex already, you know, it was kind of early in the night, but then there was like a group of guys around the table where the like chips and stuff were, who were not doing anything. They just had their clothes on and stuff. And they seemed like they were like, you know, they were like, that was like the crowd that was like too good for this gangbang or something. And so I kind of sat with them for a little while and then like, you know, and I was, 
you know, it was clear that like I had never been to something like this before. So, you know, I looked awkward and, and everything. And like, so they we were kind of talking about that. And one guy was telling me like, oh, you better like have a drink. And I was telling him, oh, I don't really drink, you know, and he's like, well, you better start then, you know, or something. <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm going to, you know, going to have to, you know, be sober. And um, the thing was like, I wasn't really, like you said, I wasn't attracted to any of the women that were there. They were, they were older. I mean, I was one of the younger, I was one of the youngest people there. You, you know? weren't just like turned on just because there's sex going on? Yeah. I mean, there was like a voyeuristic element to it. You know, it was like walking into a porno really, you know, or something like it wasn't that exciting for me. Like I wasn't getting turned on. Like the girls were the women really were they were older and they were not in great shape they were they weren't like they just weren't attractive to me and there were other guys there who were also my age i was about like 30 i guess at the time um it was a couple of years ago the host was like 50 and some of the women were probably you know about that middle aged it was like a middle aged crowd not not trim not not sexy it was not like a, we're all doing this cuz we're so hot it was like we're doing this cuz we're into it but then there was at the table, there was like another couple of guys who were my age, you know, and, and one of them was this French guy and another guy was this Indian guy, you know, and I'm the American guy. And we we're like kind of sitting there and it was like really this sort of like, I thought funny scene. And then actually we went at one point, somebody had some cigarettes or something. And, you know, I think it was like the French guy. I was like, I'm going to go smoke a cigarette. And me and the, and the Indian guy were like, oh, dude, we're coming with you. Like, we got to go downstairs. Like, and we go down and we're like smoking a cigarette. And then like the three of us were like. French guy, he seemed like pissed or something. He's like, these girls are just not hot enough. Like, what's this, this bullshit? You know, I thought this was going to be better. And we we're kind of like, yeah, dude, we agree. Like, um, but still, you know. And the other thing that's funny, well, it's kind of gross, I guess. In the bedroom, and, the, you know, the French guy said this. He's like, you know, oh, man, he's like, I can't get the smell out of my nose. There's like so many people and they're sweating. And, you know, like sex, you know, the sex smell is there when there's just two people. But when there's like two women... 10 guys like whatever like it was the room was kind of small and like it just was really it was starting to get like pretty funky you know and uh so that you know that was like sort of taking me out of it you know i guess and, and this other guy too the three of us were in agreement like downstairs we're like this is not really doing it for us or whatever and you know then we're like well oh, let's go back upstairs anyway and just see like let's wait it out right and see see what happens <laughs> I never thought about the smell. No, I mean, why would you really? Like, it's a, but it's. Because, like, if you're really into someone, their smell is the best thing in the world. But if you're in a room full of people that you're not into. Yeah, I mean, and even when you're just with another, one other person, really, if it turns out that you don't like their smell particularly or something, even if it's not a bad smell, then that's a, that can be a turnoff. Yeah, that times 10. Oh, my Potentially God. it was, yeah. Does it smell like a locker room or does it just smell like, I guess it smells different than a locker room. Yeah. You know, I mean, the word that I'm using is funky. To me, it reminded me of being, you know, in elementary school or something. There's like a mysterious bad smell, somebody like BO, but not exactly or something, you know, and everyone's like, oh, what's that funky smell? Like it smells like, you know, human bodies, but, you know, kind of in a unique way, maybe. Wow. Oh, man. I'm, like, in the hotel room with you right now. What I, what happened? All next? right. So, yeah, okay. So Is it horrible that I'm so curious? No, I've never told this story to somebody who hasn't been curious about it. 
Yeah, okay, so we're down smoking cigarettes, right? Me and the French guy and the Indian guy. And, you know, we come back upstairs and we're just kind of hanging out. Like I said, you know, the girls, they, you know, they were, they were happy. They didn't need us to, you know, judging them and, you know, being like, these girls are not up to my standards or whatever. There are plenty of guys there that were just banging away. So I'm waiting and I'm like, are there any more girls coming? And like, he's like, yeah, maybe. And then, you know, I remember this very vividly. You know, there was a moment, this was kind of towards the end of the night, been there for a couple hours, like the door opened and this like really hot, beautiful woman comes in with a guy. Is that good or is that good? Well, why don't you put the whole thing in your mouth? Well, at least, yes, I mean, you can't just nibble at it. You have to look like you're enjoying it. You know, she was, uh, I think, South American, very like tall, like dark hair, like big breasts, like really like dressed very nicely. The whole energy in the room like changed so dramatically, like all the men were staring at her like immediately. She became such a focus of like all this energy. You know, and she came in and like she's kind of got her guy with there and he's like parading her around a little bit and she's kind of giggling a little bit and like being sort of like nervous, but she clearly likes all the attention, you know what I mean? The other women that were there kind of just like left at that point. It was like, like they were done. All the guys were just like, what's going to happen with this girl? And then I, you know, I of course was like, oh my God, like I got to see how this plays out. You know, basically there was this weird dance that happened between her and all the guys where like people are not really quite sure how to approach her and like people are telling like that her you know her guy that she's with that he needs to like initiate what's happening so she's comfortable and everything like I said she giggled and it wasn't really like clear if like she was gonna like actually go for it but then like all of a sudden like she did and it was like all right this is you know this is like happening now and so like she goes into the room you know there's like basically She's laying on the bed and she's got like a guy on either side of her and, you know, so she's like blowing these two guys at once. And then like the other guys, you know, they're sort of jerking off at her feet and, you know, and there's like a whole ring around her at the bed and she's like loving it. And like, you know, I, you know, I'm, I said to myself, I'm like, you know, I got to get in on this. So I'm, you know, trying to like get myself ready to go. And like, you know, and I, I do like enough. And like, I, there's funny like moment where I like, you know, this guy's like, up near her head and I like tapped him on the shoulder. I'm like, you know, can I, can I go now? And he's like, oh yeah, totally. Like, you know, so like everyone's like very polite. She's blowing all these guys and then somebody, you know, somebody's having sex with her and you know, it just became like a, it was like really like, I think it was great. Like everyone was having like a really great time. Like it, like the energy in the room was fantastic. And then like she, at a certain point, she was like, well, how 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 graphic can I be? Go for just it. Go I'll, for I'll it. beep the I'll beep the beeps out of it. She was like she was like at a certain point she was just like I want to suck everyone's dick in this room, and so it became like a line like everyone was just going up to her like their turn you know what I mean and like she's just like yours have I sucked yours yet yours no I haven't sucked yours yet and she's just like grabbing and like she was getting like she was like in this like frenzy and like so everyone's like trying to make sure they get in it and then she was like and then at the end she was like I want everyone to come on me like everyone to come on my face and like and so like people started doing
doing, you know, doing that. They're like jerking off. Like, Kam was like flying around. The Indian dude, he was like really like into, like his thing, I guess, was just like eating pussy. And so like he's like on the ground, like between her legs, like like licking her as guys are coming. And like, so like, so, like come like raining down on him. And he just was like, I remember just like looking down at him. And he was like, he was like in heaven down there. Like he just loved it. And, uh, and she loved it. And, you know, like, I, you know, so then like after everyone came, then, then, then the energy is just like suddenly like gone. And then everyone is like basically like fleeing. It felt like a crime scene. Like after that, like she ran out, she got dressed. The French guy, he was like in the bathroom, um, like washing his, his penis off. Like, I just remember like seeing him just like, it was pretty big. And he's like, just like frantically like washing it off. Like, and everyone's kind of like, Oh my God, what do we just do? And then people are like thanking, you know, the host, like, Oh, this was great. And like, everyone just left like probably from the time like that this like whole room came on her to you know us all being out on the street was like it seemed like five minutes like most and then i remember i was and i was walking again still with the french guy and the indian guy and we're like you know we were like walking down the street and everyone was like really giddy and like like high like manic like that was amazing like you know we were we'd all gone from you know this party sucks that was incredible like and then the French guy got in a, he got in a, a cab and he disappeared. He had to go back to Queens or something. And I actually, I had pizza with the Indian guy afterwards. And he, his demeanor was so funny. He was so like confident. Like he was like, he was talking to all the girls in line at the pizza place. He was like chatting girls up, like getting their numbers and stuff. And like, we were just sat in the back and we were just like, like we felt like Kings or something. Like we'd done something really great or something. You know what I mean? And, um, and then that was pretty much it. And then, you know, but then the next day, I guess I, you know, I felt, you know, weird about it or something and I didn't get so into it. You know, it's not like it didn't become a, you know, thing that I do repeatedly or something like that. I also think it was a good experience. I don't know. I'm glad I did it, you know, <laughs> I have so much going through my head right now. <laughs> All right. First, I have to tell you, this is my favorite thing I've ever recorded. High five. Oh, awesome. All right. <laughs> I think I just found my calling. What's your calling? What? I think I need to go into the seedy sex worlds in New York City, and I need to get these people on my show. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, this is... Uh, we, Why you am know, I not doing this yeah, yet? That's... You, you know, you totally could. I think people are... I want the Indian guy. I want the French guy. I want the South American woman. I want them all on my show. Then, you know, there's the, yeah, the Italian guy who, who hosts the parties. I mean, really, it's like a real international... I'm sure there's a whole world I could bring on the show. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, okay. Number two. Did you come? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah. We, I think we all did. It was... No one didn't. I wasn't, you know, checking, but there was... It, it appeared that way. Yeah. It was... <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Number three, what was the weird, what were the thoughts going through your head the next day that you were unhappy with? Like why, what is there to feel bad about in that situation? Um, you know, I think, you know, there's like the, I've been at, at different times in my life, like, you know, worried about STDs and stuff like that. You know, I think, you know, like everyone, everyone is wearing a condom and, you know, I don't know. It certainly there's a there's going to be a risk of just some kind of STD with something like that. From the I want to blow everyone moment. From yeah, I mean, I don't know. But like Did you have like intercourse with her? 
Um, yeah, I did like very briefly. Somebody just somebody else was like my turn. You know, it was like I could. You know, it was like maybe like I bet it was thirty seconds or something before like somebody was like, "All right, now me," because it it really got like it, it seemed to be really frenetic. I don't know, maybe it was longer, like a minute, but it was not like a really, and then I'm standing back on the sidelines, like waiting, like, oh man, let me just wait until I get another turn. And then, but then by that time she was just like, I want everyone to, you know, come on my face. <laughs> and that was like that. I mean, I mean, it literally was like the room like applauded at that point. Like people were like, yes, like this is, this is amazing. Like we, you know, this is, you know, there's porno, like this is like. I feel that know. way just hearing the story. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I was, I was happy to play my, my part in that, you know, I don't know, like I would say like group sex is not always great. I've, I've had it be, I've had it, I've had it be much more awkward than it was at the, at the gangbang, which seems like, you know, it seems like maybe that shouldn't be the case. Like with fewer people say, you know, three or four or something that, that that should be more manageable. But I, I felt like. The gangbang, like everybody was so much on the same page somehow that it that it was that it just worked out and definitely the energy I mean you know when I was talking about the energy in the room, I mean you were feeling like is all that testosterone in the room, and like yeah, I think it it gets the other guys more excited to you know to be feeding off each other's testosterone, and the woman too she was like i mean she looked like she was having a great time. I mean, that's cow. why you know that's why you know guys like the you know the cum shot in a porno movie because they like to see another guy come and like normally girls though are like oh that that's the gross part or something but guys don't you know I mean guys probably don't really you know admit that so much like oh there's a the, reason the movies why are all that. shot in that yeah. in that same way for a reason yeah huh okay I think I, I don't think I ever need to record anything else ever again I think I'm done I Felt like we were just getting started here. I got <laughs> I so much, I have so no. much more. <laughs> I have more. Okay, I have more. I want to talk about you too. Um, I mean, let's take a quick radio show intermission. When we return, Rob and I go back to talk about his lessons from actively pursuing kinky sex online. For now, let's just shake our heads back and forth to Night Jewel performing live on WFMU on Dwayne's show.
Oh, hey, there you are. Didn't see you there. Can you tell I'm trying to fill up time right now between segments? Because they're kind of short right now and I have an hour to fill. Let me tell you about a few things that are making me feel bad right now. First up, I told you that this episode would be sexy. And I think that was just code for, I'm gonna have to bleep a lot of stuff. I don't know if this show will ever be sexy sexy, just kind of awkward sexy. I also feel bad because yesterday I live tweeted my IUD procedure. Should I be embarrassed? I don't know anymore. All of next week's show is about the IUD, and listeners, there is a twist at the end of this episode, one that I do not know how to talk about yet, one that I was not anticipating when I started this journey. Also, I'm feeling really bad because of Valentine's Day. I don't know what I'm doing because, you know, I'm single. Yesterday, the nurse asked me about the last time I've had intercourse, and then she looked worried for me. Might have been because I was crying. I don't know. There's a party in Bushwick that advertises that everyone will get married by the end of the night. Should I go to that? Both my roommates have boys in their lives, so I'm just going to be this single girl sitting at home entirely by herself, sharing a bowl of spaghetti with my dog. One long noodle stretched between my mouth and her snout. So where did we leave off? Oh yes, my friend Rob Williams, who is a writer at itmustbebobby.com. He told us about his trip to China for a girl. It's difficult to explain why I thought disappearing to China for five months with a girl I barely knew was a good idea. If I even thought it was, and I'm not convinced I did. They met on a sex date from OkCupid. She was staying with a friend up in Harlem and couldn't decide if she wanted to come all the way downtown just to have kinky sex with a stranger. And it ended with a hint of remorse. Some days it seems impossible that this is something I actually did, that I was so overwhelmed by my emotions that I moved halfway around the world. But there are moments I remember so intensely, it has to have been me. Here's more of our conversation. I started by asking what drew him to BDSM sex, where he's dominant and his partner is submissive. Before I started like attaching words like dominance and submission to, you know, what I was into, I just had a general feeling that, you know, I didn't like certain things that like were very like prevalent. If I'm like making out with a girl and she climbs on top of me, for instance, you know, which is a very typical way to get into sex, right? You're, you're sitting on the couch and you start making out and then the girl straddles you and that's supposed to be very sexy. And yeah, I just, that's my move. Yeah, right. So like, and I, and it's, that's, a, that's a move that a lot of girls have. And I just don't like, I don't like that. Like it, it would always make me feel uncomfortable. I didn't like, you know, I felt because like the power like was the, thrown? The, the power dynamic. I didn't like it. Like I felt like it just didn't work for me, but I couldn't articulate it in any kind of way. How do you explain that you don't like something that's so simple and common, you know, people take it personally, unless, you know, they understand and they are also playing a role. Cause you know, now I've had girls say that same thing to me where they're like, I really just hate being on top. And I'm like, I totally get that. I've had so many <laughs> friends confide that in me recently. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's kind of like one of those porno things or something where like you see girl on top a lot and you think that's a move that 
everyone has to like or something. And I don't know, for some people, it just feels odd. I, but, you know, but again, well, I, I feel like girls have an insecurity that if they don't like it, then they're lazy rather than that this is like a gesture about a power dynamic. I don't know. We're trying to equal the amount of like physical effort. I guess so. I don't really understand that. I mean, I, you know, I've had people say to me like, oh my God, I feel so bad you're doing all the work. And I'm like, I, but I want to be doing the work. I'm not here for it to be equal in that way. You know, that's not the, that's not the point. I think we all go on sex dates sometimes, but we never call them sex dates. Right. What's it like to do that? Like, this is what's surprising about the story is that people assume a sex date can't turn into a serious relationship of some kind. Someone you'd move to China to be with. Was that out of the range of possibilities for you when you when you went on it? No, I mean, I wasn't thinking about it. The origin of this whole online identity was a couple years old at that point. Um, I had created two OkCupid profiles, the beard on your bush one that was the sex one where, you know, my identity is hidden, I guess. I mean, not so hidden anymore, but... But you don't have your full face on that profile. No, it's just my, you know, my... Just beard, just my, beard, beard. Basically my beard, yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> but then I have the other normal profile that then I can prefer people to, you know, if they're interested. A lot of women seemed intrigued. You know, some people would be like, well, why don't you just do them both together or be like, you know, and I felt like it makes the story more interesting, like the you know, for the people that I'm meeting, I've gone into these dates looking for different things, you know, like, like one of the first people that I met that actually turned out to be kind of a, a bit of a relationship too. I mean, she said that she was interested in kind of sex that I'm looking for. She said that she was submissive, but she felt like she had to get to know me a little bit more. I mean, for her that, I guess that meant the second date at a certain point, like on the second date, she was like turned and looked at me like all like matter of factly. And she's like, I want you to take me home. Like it just like, you know, like it occurred to her at, at some moment or something like that's going to happen now. And then like, and that was like the first time that either of us had really, but we ended up dating for at least a year. So do some sex dates end and then the woman wants more and you're like, mm, no more. I don't think so. I, well, maybe yes. But that's also happened to me though. There was one girl that sort of like broke up with me. You know, she's like, I feel like this is getting too serious, you know? And I was like, yeah, but I, you know, I kind of like you. And she's like, yeah, I kind of like you too. But like, yeah, it's not, uh, it's not going to work out. I was like, oh, that's too bad. I mean, but you really like meet a range of people. Like that's part of what's fun about it also is just like, you don't really know what someone's situation is going to be. Sometimes I meet a woman that would, she's definitely, you know, it's only going to be about the sex and she's got like very clear boundaries. What kind of messages do girls send you? Um, I think there's been, there's been a change, I think, in the kinds of messages I've gotten over the course of let's, I guess let's call it like five years. Like, I think like, you know, like I, and I remember like the, the, one of the first messages I got, um, was from, you know, this girl that I ended up having the relationship with, um, to begin with. And like her first message she sent me was very like long and it was like, you know, like she, you know, she's like, I see you listen to Dan Savage. And like, you know, she told me like a bit about herself. And she's like, I think I would definitely be into submissive sex, but like, I need to take things kind of slow. Would you think you'd be okay with that? Like, you know, and it was like very like, sort of like thoughtful. Like I, you know, I saved it. Like I still have it because it became, you know, it was like, we had a great, we ended up having a great relationship and it was really nice. Um, 
but then you know now i see like there's like a lots of there's like lots of like kind of like sex ads on on okay cupid and you know i find myself getting very like lazy with my solicitations to people like you know just oh you look hot or whatever and like girls will like sometimes come at me that way also and he recommends this method to everyone it seems to work for him in a sense it's like the most honest version of myself really i mean you know but when i when i was dating people before it was always like a how am I going to conceal this or how am I going to present this to them? How can I feel them out and see if they're going to be on the same page? You know, once I sort of circumvented that whole part of dating, which to me was always like the worst part, then I was meeting people that I knew I had at least this baseline in common with, but that I had potentially nothing else in common with. I was meeting strangers like women that I wouldn't necessarily date otherwise that were not part of my normal demographic or my but they were really interesting and people are interesting on that level on on just the level of being people and so you know i always thought it was like really sort of exciting but sort of funny also to sit and be having coffee with this totally random person have the kinky sex in common sometimes not even discussed sometimes i would meet a woman and that's all she wanted to talk about was let's hammer out the details of the sex 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 we're going to talk about that sometimes it would just we would just not even talk about it it was just like it was understood that we had that in common and then we would just talk about whatever else people talk to about on dates. And I always like talking. What are those conversations like where you're just navigating the sex with a stranger? I guess it's more like some, some people have a very definite idea about what kind of situation they're looking for. You know, I, I remember uh, this was not that long ago, actually I had drinks with a girl who sat down at the table and she went on this very long sort of monologue about how she had been in a relationship with a poly couple or something and it wasn't really working out for her so she was like looking to like replace the guy with a new guy she like needed a new sex partner but she wanted to like make it clear that like she had all this other stuff going on and like she couldn't really get involved was I going to be okay with that and it turned into like this really sort of weird sex interview type thing almost because she wanted to see like am I you know are you going to be able to fulfill my needs sexually are you available two to three days a week yeah um, usually after 7 p.m she and I didn't have any chemistry though to speak of anyway so it was I felt like things usually would go much better when I would just sit down and just talk to someone about whatever they were up what what have you been doing today or something you know something very casual What's your advice for all the lonely dudes out there who don't have game? Like, <laughs> like you kind of have game here. Uh, well, but yeah, but it was, you know, like internet game, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, what's what's your like top, What's your like tips for internet game? This is an article idea for you for Thought Catalog. Tips for internet game, yeah, for Thought Catalog. <laughs> go up there with my, you know, story about eating KFC and, and shopping at Abercrombie and Fitch. No, but I think your internet game is put it out there. What's like? Yeah, no, if, no, then if someone is into it, then they're going to be able to tell you that they're into it. But if you don't put it out there, there's nothing to gain. Yeah, no, I, I guess my my advice, right, is to I well, what I find what works, to, to, you know, is just being sort of matter of fact and sincere you know like my profile when i first made it was very much like i'm new to this like i don't you know i i i heard about i heard about this on savage Lovecast. i don't have a lot of experience but i'm like looking for like a woman who maybe also doesn't have that much experience and but is curious or whatever like you know but not to like approach it like 
oh, you know, I know everything there is to know about kinky sex and wouldn't you like to have a shot with me or something? Like, I don't know. I think don't be cheesy about it or something. I, I'm not sure. But then again, you know, my username was Beard on Your Bush, so that's like pretty... I like, can't believe pretty, that wasn't taken. It's pretty, yeah, no, but it, like people respond to that in, in different ways, you know, like some people just hate it and they're like, that is like, you know, like the, the one, the one girl that I, that I first dated, like she said that she almost didn't want to meet me because that was my name. And I was like, oh, that would have been a shame. Right. But then, you know, like other people have written to me, I get, I would get messages that are just like, that's a hilarious username or like, you know, kudos on that username. Like that's so funny or you know or people saying they think it's sexy i mean so you know people could think all kinds of different things but you know at least it's not like you know mr nyc dom 309 or whatever you know like so your advice is be sincere and be yourself yeah try to be a little bit funny if you're a little bit funny and you know don't like take it too seriously i guess i don't know same advice you would give anybody in any situation right just just be yourself Sometimes I wonder why I spend the lonely nights dreaming of a song. Rob on Twitter at it must be Bobby. Add a .com to the end of that phrase and you have his website. I'm Andrea Salenzi. You can subscribe to the YOY podcast and get all this fantastic free music by visiting yoyradio.com. I'm looking for stories right now about Valentine's Day, astrology, and your special trick for breaking up with someone. Email andrea at freemusicarchive.org. The song I used during the orgy scene was a YOY exclusive from Custodian of Records, who's up on the Free Music Archive and has a broken foot. Feel better, Custodian. Our podcast artwork is by the gallant Greg Harrison at gregcircanow.com. Special thanks to my iTunes reviewers, especially my new ones, Jack and Kevin. I think you guys might know more about the show than I do because you definitely described it better. Jack called me frequently funny. And Kevin said I have a great personality. Adding both of those things to my online dating profile right now. Also, thanks to Nick, who reminded me of that scene in Chasing Amy, and Chris, who tweeted at the GOP about Randy. Join me next week for my IUD episode, all about how we've hacked the uterus. Dreaming of a song.
WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 FM, and online, WFMU.org.